Hello and welcome to another Mad Axman podcast. This is a list building special for Art de la Guerre and um, we're picking an unusual topic this time. It's spearmen or more precisely hoplite spearmen, the kind of um, you know big round shield guys who you get in those early books, kind of the pre-successor era, the era of the classical hoplite, Greece, Sparta, all of that sort of shoving and shove and push or whatever, um, fighting off the Persians and doing all that kind of thing. They're an unloved troop type. They're, they're possibly an underestimated troop type. And I've got Dave and also Richard with me here looking at um, what lists you can put together, how you can make them work, giving ourselves the constraint of having to use 12 hoplites in any of the lists that we do. So there's six. In fact, there's actually seven lists in this podcast to go through. There's a bit of tactical advice. There's a bit of talking about figures. And so sit back Enjoy the Hoplite podcast. This means war. This means war. Welcome to another um, special one-off list-specific, um, although this is a slightly unusual list-specific um, podcast. I'm, I'm joined by Dave and Richard who um, you may remember from the patchy audio quality Macedonian, no, not Macedonian, Seleucid podcast and the much better audio quality Indian podcast over the last few weeks. And uh, what we decided to do or or picked to do or, or, or pulled out of the, the bucket of army list to do this time is to is to look at an probably an underloved troop type, which is heavy spearmen um, or more specifically, kind of classical era hoplite heavy spearmen you know these these were the mainstay of of classical era armies for a long time the the greeks are almost the the baseline for all of those hellenistic and successor armies and and the clashes between the persians and the greeks and the the athenians and the spartans are, are iconic um but i think that those sorts of troops do give a lot of war games rules a, a challenge because they are the armies are, are potentially pretty vanilla. They're um, they're spearmen, and I think in in ancients rules where you get a big, big, long period of um, history and lots of different troop types, your your textbook armored or unarmored man with spear and shield is almost your your baseline troop, and and sometimes they do as a result end up you know if if a rules writer makes them too good it kind of can unbalance all the interesting stuff that moves around and is a bit more colourful, possibly. Maybe that's the idea. Um, so I think certainly in ADLG, the the heavy spear is is a good building block, but it's um, sometimes overlooked for more interesting and more fun things. It's that Seleucid list, list piece. And, um, and I guess what we, we're trying to do this week is look at some of those classical armies and see if there is a way or how you would go about using something and we've all given ourselves the um the kind of artificial test of can we build some lists with at least a dozen spearmen because with once a dozen you're getting up to a lot of your combat frontage you're getting up to half the army so you are actually building a proper spear list not a a list with a couple of spears doing something else it's got to go big on the spears but you know going back to um to that kind of earlier point about the challenge of making this this sort of building block troop interesting and and making some of those spear on spear clashes interesting for what was sort of such a a pivotal part of military history or such a famous part of military history um 
it's kind of always been a challenge, hasn't it, with with previous rule sets and, and previous things to make that make that more more intriguing. I think that's true if you go for rules that cover the whole ancient period. Um, there are a couple of fun narrower rule sets. One is called Get Sparta, which is all yeah. about uh, hoplite on hoplite clashes and really brings in the difference of different quality and different depths of formation. Mm. And then the other one I could think of, which is a little bit outside the period, but is more for Saxon shield walls, is the old Dark Age infantry slog system, where right. a lot of the game was about how do you use your leadership points in terms yeah. of steadying the line, encouraging them to charge and those kind of things. Because if essentially your battle is going to resolve down to two long lines of spearmen pushing at each other, you need to get the interest from something other than a combat factor and a dice roll. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and I think that bit about rallying troops and using leadership is, is something that, that you need to work quite hard to, to utilise that, you know, particularly in, in ADLG. But, but I guess where you've got a lot of spear units, you've, you've got, you know, the, the opportunity to choose where that leadership goes. Whereas in, I think, some of the, the systems that we've played before, where once you get into a unit-based game, you're only playing with, with I guess, three or four units and, and they lock into combat and that's kind of done. But, you know, it's where the, that element-based game um, does make it slightly more interesting. I, I can think back to sort of DBM days when... Um, using armies like the Rus, uh, which was just a wall of spears across the table, the pushback mechanism did, did in itself create some sort of ebb and flow and the anticipation of breakthroughs and, and weaker units um, and weak points that you could, but you couldn't really do a lot to reinforce them in those rules. There was no rallying. Whereas here, yeah. you know, we've, we've got hit points and the opportunity to rally them off. So there is still a bit more kind of dynamism, even if it's not, necessarily represented on the table but um I don't know, are these are these armies that you've you know you've had a go at, at using with something that kind of majors on spears before or has this been a a theory adlg theory list writing exercise probably more of the latter but i, I have faced you know in in putting together my list i have drawn on experience of armies i've faced that have caused me sort of headaches or at least caused me thought and I think we'll get into it in the detail but one of the interesting things is the good value of mediocre spearmen um, and, and spearmen as a whole are the challenge with them is that they they are great constituents of the army but they don't quickly kill anything they're a grind the enemy down type troop type and so particularly if you're in a competition with, you know, quite short um, game in lengths, you know, yeah. under two and a half hours, you can be winning with the spearman, but not quite crush the enemy in time. And so I think that's what puts off some people in choosing it in a competition. But I mean, you know, how can you not love an army that, yeah. that you know, could, could have the 300 Spartans in it? You know, I mean... Yeah. Uh, it's yeah. certainly a colourful period historically. 
is the one you want. Dave, is it is it something that you've you know played or played against, or, or has this been really kind of a theory exercise for you as well? I think with any set of war games rules, having played Fog to competition level in ADLG, that you find you tend to find the spear are kind of like the baseline figure, and then you've got the toys and the pluses on top. So it's the, the spearmen suffer from that in the classical period because you've got so many pike, Romans, impact swordsmen, impetuous swordsmen, which kind of negates that. I think Richard's got a very good point in there. Cheap value, especially as you say, the mediocre ones makes it, I mean, the list we've come up with made that really interesting. I think to really get, I think in the Dark Ages period, you get a lot more spear because they're more of a constituent part of the armies and you've got that bow-spear combination thing coming into that as well, mm. facing off against knights and things. But where you've got infantry lines hitting each other and you've got Romans being impact and elite, then the spear are always going to suffer. I mean, they're a troop type, I think, I'm afraid I tend to avoid. Yep. Um, yeah. Even, you know, and I know a lot of people will be sitting here going, what about my Spartans? Because the Spartans yeah. do something. <laughs> the Spartans um, do it differently, don't they? Yeah, I mean, I, I was thinking about this last night and thinking there's, you know, I mean, it's possibly complete complicating things incredibly, but there's an argument in way that have defensive spear, spearmen and impact spearmen somewhere along the line. So your Spartan can be the, as good as a pikeman. In at, the, first, at first impact. Yeah, exactly. And that might give it a bit more ebb and flow. Um, yeah. I think there was a set of rules called Hoplon, wasn't there? Once I've never played it, but I think that mm. was to give a lot of the more feel of the shield walls fighting and the there's a word in Greek which I've forgotten something ososis which is about the actual ebb and flow because two two spear walls hitting each other it's like a rugby match mm. it's when, when the Greeks hit each other they'd actually lift off the ground in the front ranks right. and the hoplon wow. the, hop the shield was actually bowed so that you, you could breathe behind it as the people behind you shoved you forward with their spear. <laughs> There's okay. a lot of interesting things in there. And also, you know, the spear wall would naturally move to the right to protect itself. So there's a, there's a few things in there. Which could, yeah. yeah, I mean, one of, the, one of the, I think, few distinctive things about fog that in some ways uh, I miss is that distinction between offensive and defensive spear in that, you know, there were, there were armies where the spear was the main force of attack, um, you know, Spartans, Hoplites, generally Saxons. But in many other armies, the spear are basically adopting a defensive role around which the mounted nobles can rally or hide or have a breather in, in, in between the fighting. Um, and ADLG is sort of abrogated to a sort of higher level and doesn't really cover that. And again, equally, it doesn't really distinguish between the drill and command and control ability of, say, Spartans compared to, um, you know, minor city-state militia who, who don't do as much training or drill. But mm. I think you accept that in in exchange for being able to get the game over in a reasonable amount of time because the more chrome and period detail you put in with so many troop types it, it becomes an over heavy game mm. yeah I, I guess 
know, if you look at Spear as a unit, you've got something there that it's heavy infantry, so so it's not quite as vulnerable to mounted as mediums by by definition. It's got four hits, which to me is kind of almost the, one of the <laughs> bizarrely sort of one of the most important characteristics about it. It's if it starts to go down, it's still going to take a long long time to die. Um, it's got the ability to to cancel the impact of of mounted um so so those sort of strike mounted or in fact any mounted doesn't really want to to charge into it so it's a real um you know it's a toxic piece of terrain for for anything mounted but but a lot of those characteristics come to their fore in the later period really when you get more mounted floating around it's a strange one that that toxicity to mounted the you know the kind of the you know the x factor for which which makes spears more than just vanilla lump with four hits, really only plays in where the opponent's got a lot of mounted, which um, isn't really the case in this textbook classical hoplite period anyway. There's not a lot of mounted floating around there. And I guess until they, you know, until maybe some of the successor armies come in with a bit more stuff. Um, Although I think one of the reasons heavy infantry evolved was to block heavy chariots. True. Yeah, I actually think about that. If you that, look yes. at, you yeah. know, the Assyrians uh, are developing it first, but through that sort of evolution in the seventh, sixth, and fifth century BC, um, you know, that's that's yeah. because prior to that, nearly everything is medium. True, actually, yeah. Or it's or it's even the heavy troops, the swords are classed as swordsmen, which are yeah. a lot more vulnerable to chariots. So, so actually, yeah, you're right. The, the rise of the hoplite is. Um, at the same time as the um, as the ending of the heavy chariot era, so it's it's maybe it's an interim step to to go from heavy chariots dominating the battlefield to a more combined arms, um, you know, yeah. phalanx, pike, elephant, um, you know, zystophora, cavalry, all that sort of thing. So it's an interim. Yes, just as step. then the response to it was either to supercharge it with a pike phalanx yeah. or to disrupt it with a Roman pila. Yes. So every yeah every weapon system reaches its apogee and then someone yeah. works out a way to defeat it, just as we're yeah. seeing in modern times, the end of the tank. Yeah. <laughs> as we have been for the last 30, 50 years, of course. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so maybe, you know, maybe that is then why the spear is, is what it is because it was a bridge between the end of the chariot era. It neutralized that one thing, but then a whole range of different um, things came up to, to replace it and then by the time it had um it had come back into vogue it was still there as much much as part of a much more combined arms operation with with knights and other types of troops you know the, the later armies are much more that whereas the early ones are are in, in a lot of ways heavy chariots and a support um for getting the heavy chariots in so it's they they are that pivot point because they are the pivot point in in history um as as a way in the way these things develop the city states citizen militia and i think one of the interesting things i mean i would say even the akai menid armies is i'm almost classified as a biblical army where they would just show up on mass and you gave in to the great king whereas the greeks in their city state with their citizen heavy infantry were going no no we'll actually have a fight right we'll we'll actually take you on and people go what you're actually going to have a fight you know yeah, actually, you know that that's an interesting point. I, I was listening to. Um, I wouldn't even hesitate. You know, I wouldn't even pretend that we're anywhere even in the same 
you know, plan it as this, but I was listening to a, an episode of In Our Time, the Melvin Bragg thing yesterday. Um, I think we've talked about it on the podcast as well. And, and yeah, the, the importance of the cultural piece around it about, you know, some things like citizen infantry and, and that willingness to fight. You have got a troop type that, that marks the point at which culturally people were prepared to stand up and, and fight rather than be impressed by their um, their lord and, and shuffled onto the battlefield and um, and given a bow and a it's an obligation to fight for your city. You know, yeah, changes. Well, it's when you move from being a subject to a citizen. Yeah, a and that has citizen. a lot of power in it. Yeah, that clearly does. Okay, well, look, that's that's kind of chewed that over for a while. Let's let's move on and look at the lists. Okay, well, look, we've got six lists to look at. Um, we're, we're throwing up two each um, here. Um, so starting with, with this one, this is one of mine, um, which I think you know, there's a, quite a number, once you start digging into that classical period, there's quite a number of hoplite lists around there, and some of them are, are kind of cool and kind of interesting with, with a few more toys. And even giving ourselves the, the shackles of making sure there's 12 spearmen still means you can get some interesting toys but but what i've done here is is put something up that is it's kind of a list without the toys really this is i've I've used these sorts of lists um a few times particularly in competitions down the club um to use syracusans i have used classical greeks as well and i think just to to talk you guys through this one and then let's have a, a chat about it this is theban um classical greek list number 60 so what you've got here is is a big army which i think is very important with spearmen you know you you need to be <coughs> getting width and getting fighting width in the army um and this one has got a 10 an 8 and a 10 i've used the strategist because i think going first with hot lights is quite important so to bump the initiative up it's it's a bit expensive. It's a bit overkill for what they're going to be doing, but you're really using it for that extra initiative point. Um, same reason almost for putting in those two Theban like cavalry to give you a chance of, of having more control over terrain and, and going first. So, but this is a pretty simple, pretty simple build structure. So your first command has got six hoplites. One is the Theban sacred bandits elite. The other are five hoplites, ordinary heavy spearmen. Um, You've got a lime tree javelinman, possibly a bit light. There aren't that many of them to screen it. And then you've got a medium cavalry and two light horse, which are unlikely to do much. Um, maybe you've got an open flank to do a little bit, but, but the medium cavalry is probably going to be a reserve. The, um, <coughs> the second command, um, I've gone three normal hoplites, two mediocre hoplites, one elite hoplite, um, included general, sits in there. A couple of light tree bow to screen it so that's just six wide of hoplites you're up to 12 of hoplites so far in width and then the final one you've got um two mediocre two ordinary one elite hoplite to take you up to 17 and um a couple of thracians turned cutting weapon um a couple of light tree bow and a javelin man and this is really the command um competent general included an unreliable bit of a richard point saver there um, and this is really the command that 
there's going to be a flank with some terrain on. So, so it's five hoplites in the open. It's two Thracians and a javelinman in the terrain to slow it. And, and the aim of the game is saying, we've got, this army has 17 fighting troops who've all got four hits. And the aim of the game is to get all of them into contact pretty solidly. The, um, the elite spearmen are as, as good as anything. That, that probably does make up for not having the you know, impact or being pikemen or something in, in a long way. It'd be good if they could be armoured, even so, but you can't in this period with strategist. But what you're trying to do is get 17 combats going and hope that your opponent only has a proper combat frontage of about a dozen. And then after that, they start getting into to second rate um, you know, troops who shouldn't be in the front line. And, and it is saying you are going to lose somewhere, but the enemy's got to kill an awful lot of hit points to break the army so um that's that's my kind of textbook first way of looking at it any so i think i I think it's uh i think it's a very strong list for all the reasons you've set out i i think it's vulnerabilities because i've done a theban list as well and so grappling with the same issues and i think one of the big questions is do you go for the included generals or not? Because my feeling with the spearmen is that command and control is very important um, because you're often going to win by eventually hitting somebody in the flank. And the frustrating thing is because the spear are not super strong, it's very easy for the general to get locked into combat for a long period of time and then not have the movement points to actually exploit the flanks that you're creating. So that really, for me, is is potentially the only issue. Other than that, I think you've got so much fighting power and so much resilience with so many four cohesion point troops. It... I think it's going to be a very hard army for someone to defeat. I, I just wonder whether, whether you will always have time to exploit its strengths would be my only comment. I think one of the things I find is that um, I think Rich is right about the generals being included, but then I think we're, we're, we're doing an imaginary competition where you've got to have 12 hot flights. Everybody's going to have very large armies. So, you know, whereas when we did the Seleucid com- com- discussion, we were talking about armies of 22, 23. Here we're talking about 28 or more. So the width is going to be important to try and create the flanks and things like that. One thing I've done with my list is I've tended to drop a javelinman behind each hoplite phalanx, if that makes sense. Because if there is a gap, if, if a hoplite dies and the enemy hoplite goes through the gap, you can pin that hoplite with a javelinman, thus stopping him turning on the flank of your other parts of your line. And if he, ha- he, ha- he has to charge you away, but you then have the ability to evade. So you're preventing him. You're always going to prevent him getting through your line and things. So I think there's, there's, there's a few tricks to fighting with these hoplite armies. And I think that's what I really like. Yeah, I, I think I think on both of those things, I think 
it's such um uh, yes i think you know having generals who can can float around and do rallying and, and do that control is is a win um but once you've got an elite heavy spearman um surrounded by by spearmen either side of it that is such a damn tough thing to kill and in an army that doesn't often get those those plus ones you know everything here is fighting at base factor one in in a lot of ways um, yes to have that extra plus one in 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 two of these nearly unkillable um hoplite things is kind of compelling um you know I, and I think there's a very very um valid thing to say disinclude both of those generals that's six more points lose a mediocre spearman you've still got an awful lot of troops here. You've still got 27. I think that's very, very valid. I think it it probably comes down to um, how do you want to play it? Um, yes, style. absolutely. Um, you know, this is, a, this is rolling the dice to the left of the table rather than rolling the dice to the right. It's, it's which way do you roll the dice? And, and it is a bit of a toss-up, isn't it? If it is an army about grinding the enemy down, um, having... Grinding them down does take time, and um, being able to win somewhere quickly, you know, I, I think you can you can argue it either way. I, I think if we sit here as as three people and chew it over, you go, yeah, I should have been sensible, um, but but maybe this is um, this might but get me a better story in the pub afterwards. It, it might not get me in as as much use of the engravers on the trophy, but <laughs> if it would have a damn, this is. Um, this is the Jimmy White way of playing a boring army rather than the Steve Davis way. Um, I, think it's, I think it's also very much in line with the ethos of the period, which is the general fought in the front rank with, with his troops. Um, mm. and, and I think as we've discussed in, 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 in other of these sessions, a lot comes down to knowing your style as a player. So it's really just a point to consider. If you're someone yeah. who likes to have your generals fighting in the front line, then you might as well include them. If you're someone who who prefers to be more of a stand back and direct things, then as you say, drop one hoplite, pull the generals out. It's both yeah. will work. What suits your playing style best? Yeah, and I think to be fair as well, the the first iteration of this army, um, I'd got the list slightly wrong, and I'd managed to to armor up. Um, the the elite hoplites as well, and um, which isn't allowed in, in the um, the date with the strategist. So if they if it, they become armoured, suddenly that becomes even harder to kill, becomes an extra bonus, and possibly tips it even that way. So there's I think there's probably an element that this is a this is a bit of a halfway list as well. I think there's another thing we should think about is that your the light foot screen in front of the hoplites, especially if they're unarmoured, becomes very important. If an enemy has got shooting, albeit javelinmen or something like that, if you can damage a few of the hoplites in the way in, that makes the, the, the actual fight much more different. And there's another, th yeah, another thing with that is if you can force your enemy to attack you, in response, you've got that chance to do the rallies and things like that, bring your light foot up on the edge to uh, create overlaps. Um, and and, and yep. the further thought is, You've actually got to sit here and say, right, my general can only move six base, six wide frontage forward. But I want to be everywhere as wide as, if not wider than my opponent. So you don't want to be six. 
you want to have the potential to be seven or eight because if each command lines up on each other, it's the, over, it's the overlaps which are going to make the difference. And that's again, interesting. That's, that's very historical. You know? Yeah, because I, I guess with this one, the, you know, that medium cavalry and the javelin could give you a, a bit of an overlap in the first one. Definitely. The second command there is, is the one that sits in the middle and just goes forwards. And, and the last one, you're looking to extend into that terrain with the Thracians and, and the javelin and Peltast as well. So you're potentially getting up to eight with that one which is um which is getting a bit more a bit more interesting okay then well let's let's look at the next one well that was the first classical greek army and um a a little bit of picking apart of it some of it self-inflicted so richard this is your um also a Theban list, actually. You've, um, you've also bottled the Spartans. Maybe that's something we can come back to and talk about later anyway. But you've gone for a Theban list. But you're um, here, you're 27, so, so almost the same as my 28. What's, what's your theory on this one? So it's a lot of similarities with yours in that I've got a central command that is um, just spearmen. Um, because I did want to include the general again with the elite um, spearmen, I thought that I would shrink the width of that particular command and only have four in it. And I, I, I've taken a bit more light infantry than in yours. And it's partly because, as you said, when the spearmen are not armoured, they are a bit vulnerable to yeah. enemy light infantry coming up and having a pop. Um, so I, I wanted to do that. So that's that central one. I've, I've left it unreliable because actually um, partly what I'm trying to do is advance the two wings and hold back the centre. So if it becomes unreliable, it isn't the end of my plan. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And having a strategist, I hopefully would have the pips to, you know, pass over it, up, yeah. in order to try and make it become reliable. So going to the first command, um, five hoplites. Now the I um, again a, a, with the the javelin javelin as Dave mentioned, either he can go into the rough or he can pop out around the side to provide an overlap. The idea with the medium cavalry, in part, is that as the two wings advance, if anybody's attacking the central command the two medium cavalry, one from each flank, can turn in on the flanks of that. That's if you've got, if you like, a closed flank. If you've got an open flank, then they would be out wide in the more traditional cavalry role. And obviously one medium cavalry can't do much, but it just means that if the enemy is threatening to turn your flank with something, the medium cavalry is threatening to charge the flank of whatever's attempting to flank the hoplite line. Yeah, and, and you know, even just by by blocking or slowing down that happening for a couple of turns, you're buying you're buying two more turns to grind people down with your with your four hit hoplites, aren't you? Exactly. And so the idea of having a light javelin horse with that is it just gives it a bit more reach. It just gives you a little bit of missile capability. Um, so I've got one on one on each each wing. Um, 
And then looking across to the other side, it's a bit similar, but again, as with yours, I've, uh, I've got the Thracians um, in there as well. So that was the one that can handle more rough terrain. I've gone brilliant and strategist because I actually think there's quite a lot to do. You've got to command a spear line. You've got these uh, medium and mounted troops. So in each case, I always want a minimum of three, three movement points each turn. Yeah, uh, split, having, we, having two medium cavalry and splitting your light cavalry as well. Yeah, you've got three movement groups in that last command, haven't you? Yeah, and the same, same potentially in the first one. And if you are moving the light infantry separately, it's even four, which is, which is why I've spent the points on command. Yeah. Uh, and the other advantage of that is I've now got four initiative. As you say, the, Which is the huge, isn't it? desire yeah, really to big. want to control the battlefield, um, taking the strategist means you know you get two shots at removing a really bad piece of terrain that you really don't like, um, and it what it suffers from compared to yours is I I haven't got anything like as many hoplites. Yeah, you're, so, you're I think thirteen against my seventeen. Um, yeah. And, um, and in terms of other combat troops, there's there's one extra horseman, really. Uh, and know, I think one extra javelin man who's a kind yeah, of... Yeah, one extra javelin man as well, actually, yeah. yeah. So it would depend a lot on, you know, where the terrain was. Um, but I th so, you know, as we said, it comes down to style. This This gives me the opportunity to do a bit more dancing and maneuvering for position which is the kind of game i like to play yeah but it but it's always a tricky one when ultimately your game still does depend on getting 13 spearmen into contact isn't it because you've, you've gone for none none of the mediocre ones as well so so maybe the difference in mine is is four extra mediocre ones but you get a bit more more stuff to play with um dave you know this has got your your javelin men um, as a possible reserve in a couple of those I things. Think, um, it, it's yeah. got a bit more of a skirmish screen. What's your, your take this on this really one? Strong because you're going to win the initiative nine times out of ten, or six times out of one. Yeah. <laughs> um, that sensor command, which is the smaller with the unreliable general, is going to go down first. You're going to get a very, very good look at where your opponent's army is, and you're going to be able to line up your matchups, work on the flanks and get there. I can, you know, I think I see Richard's, you know, going to be hunting the camp with light cavalry or medium cavalry um, to get round. Um, I think, I think it's a really strong one. And I, I, you know, you've got a few more light foot, you've got the Cretans in there to drive off the other person's light foot um, screen, you know, and have the fights. You know, there's, there's something, if you bring up your hot plights, straight behind your light foot screen and if your light foot don't get that shot in you might force a fight with his light foot and then bring up a hoplite as an overlap to kill that so there's there's lots of little tricks in these games this is a lot more you know with the theme of having 12 hoplites it's a very very subtle competition this i, I could see us doing this competition quite easily you know yeah it could be could be quite an interesting classical ma matchup couldn't it and at this risk of repeating myself, having that javelin man behind the line to just protect you from breakthroughs is a really strong thing. But um, 
I think the difference here is in, in my list, I've not gone for the command at all. I've just gone for sheer um, oomph and strike and said, I don't care about the initiative, but I can see this one would give me a lot of problems in the manoeuvre. Yeah. Okay, good. Well, look, let's, um, let's look at your list next, Dave. This means war. So, Dave, your um, your first list here is early Macedonian, which is is I guess moving towards not being a hoplite army, but it's still got hoplites in it, which is all great. We've we've got this on screen um, up here. You've, by the looks of it, managed to um, to eke out somewhere well twenty nine units, which is a new record, given that we started with twenty seven and twenty eight. That's pretty good. Um, but initiative of just two. It's it's a five hundred AD one, and. Um, your your first command with an ordinary included general um, is kind of not a hoplite army command at all. But look, take us through these commands. Tell us what's in each one and what it's going to do. Well, I'm, I mean, I'm thinking, I'm hoping, I'm 29 large, so I'm, I'm sacrificing the initiative. Well, although I've got initiative of two, you never know. So I'm thinking I'm going to be defending. Um, being on the defensive means I'll be able to choose more terrain which is one of the things is going to be a benefit. I'll come on to in a minute. And um, so the, the early Macedonian list is, it's north of, you know, obviously Macedonia is north of it, you know, so you're talking about an area which has got more cavalry. So the first command I've got is my standard sort of companion compound. I'd like to have all four of the companions, but I'm only managing to get three in the points. Um, but that command is just going to, that command is just, so there's three companions and two light horse. That's commander's job is just to go around the flank. I'm hoping I can come forward, pin the enemy with the other two commands and leave the cavalry to try and exploit a flank, get round to the back with that yeah, command. Three, three of those heavy cavalry impact, it's a pretty powerful force, isn't it? With a couple of light cavalry javelin, that can drive off anyone with the skidians and things you like that. Yeah, you can have a go at spear up front, and if you don't get both through, you bounce off and have a yeah, regroup and have another go. But that, that command is about manoeuvre, taking the camp, manoeuvring around the outside, and just causing problems, which means that an, an opponent's going to have to sort of swivel and turn. I, I think far, that, that if someone tries to counteract that cavalry command, they're going to use five units, possibly spearmen, to try and counteract it. That's drawn a lot off. So, so your second command has got a rather ludicrous, um, I'm not sure I've ever seen this before, 16 units and a competent general. So let's all sit back, you know, stuff some, um, stuff, some stuff in the pipe and, um, and put the slippers on and you can explain to us how you command 16 units with a, with a competent commander. What, what does this okay. one do? Well, I think that, huh, I think the, the, real, the real point, that, so this army has a compulsory six javelin man the Macedonian peasants. Um, you can upgrade four of them to ordinary, but they, some of them are mediocre. What I'm trying to do with this command, and I mean, I know it sounds ridiculous, but I've given it a com competent commander because I'm figuring that he's going to be going with the javelin man. And I want to use that maneuver of the javelin. I think in this period, hoplites eventually got taken down by Peltas, by maneuvering troops in terrain. I want to put a lot of terrain down and I want to try and get those javelin going. So if an opponent has got some medium foot, he's going to be facing what essentially is six medium foot. 
And I yeah, think and, there's some... and all the lists we've looked at so far, that the medium foot is I've got two Thracians and that should be okay. And yeah. I, I can see that six javelinmen is even if some are mediocre, is a bit of a problem. Okay, I might lose two of my mediocre javelinmen to the Thracians, but then I will always get round the side of the Thracians and pop them with my other guys. So the centre command is going to be the Spartans. They're going to go forward. That's your, this is your third command, the Spartan ally. So I've got three Spartan elite, um, two other spearmen. That's, 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 and I've got a pretty strong light foot command with that. And I've also got the javelinmen in, the, in that command to give them width or cover any breakthroughs. That's going to be the, arm, the troop which comes forward, pins the enemy while the cavalry manoeuvre. And I'm, what I thought was the idea of this army is this is an army of manoeuvre. Although I possibly don't have the command points, there's some argument there to lose a few of the, maybe these, some of the, hop, well, you know, we're, we've got to have 12 hoplites. I think if I was allowed to have less, I'd be having less in the second command and I'd be using it to command points. Yeah. Okay. That's because that's an interesting way of doing it. And it's, as you said, there's a, there's a historical precedent for it in that all of these, you know, we're assuming this is in this hypothetical hoplite themed condition um, competition. A lot of people are not going to want much terrain and they're not going to have much to put in it. But if you're, if you've got an army that lives in the mountains, comes from the mountains and, um, and can operate in the mountains with six, even if some of them are rubbish, javelin, and that is, that's sort of a historical thing, isn't it? That, that's got a Macedonian feel about it. What actually did for the, for the heavily armoured or the, you know, the, the heavy infantry hoplite in time in Greece and before the phalanx, before the Macedonian phalanx appeared was if the Croatian hoplites who were, medium infantry yeah more medium infantry faster moving hot flights with a long spear but the ability to throw javelins move away and operate in terrain i'm hoping to you know and also as i say i'm going to almost choose to defend put terrain down and use those terrain troops hmm. and this is a list i've you know i think it, it's just one of the um, it's kind of like one of the square states list. You kind of fly over it, don't you? And <laughs> never look down. But I don't know, Richard. You're um, you're you're looking at this with with a quizzical expression, um, on, unless it's just the Zoom screen not not being quite high enough resolution. <laughs> um, but are you as intrigued by this as I am? Yeah, I, I think there's some interesting ideas here. Um, I think having the Spartan in in the centre, you know, you've got the the ordinary included general. You you've got with three elites, you've got quite a bit of punch there. Um, I think the, the, the potential chat, as you say, if, if your opponent hasn't got much infantry, mediocre medium foot padding out the line is really, really strong. Um, I think the issue might be if the companions really swing wide, do they leave the one flank of the Spartans hanging in thin air against somebody who's got a couple of extra things that, that can slip, slip past them. But at 29, they're not going to be many people who, who, who are able to do that. Um, but the javelinmen, even with six of them, if, if they don't have a huge piece of terrain, and that's where, you know, against a couple of the armies we've just looked at with a strategist, if they're able to push the terrain out of the way, 
and those peltas don't have a suitable piece of terrain to hang in. Um, and with they that command, foolish, only having a, yeah, <laughs> yeah, having a competent yeah. general, you know, there could be a time when if it begins to unzip, you don't have the command points to move things. But I think it's going to give any anybody facing it is going to be thinking, oh, 29, how, how am I going to take this down? And it's it's going to be, you know, it's going to be deploying on, on you know, pretty much across the entire table. Um, yeah, I think it's, um, you know, one of the things with ADLG, because the games are shorter and the armies are smaller, you can actually use or sensibly put out to even to a one-day competition these kind of one-shot theory armies can't you you know if you're only if you're taking it for one competition you're you're pulling together six javelin men you're putting it on the table for for three lots of two hours it's not um like it was when you could have spent months painting up and it's it's your whole weekend and you're getting crushed four times in three and a half hours and slowly it you, you can do a bit you know put something a bit mad and roll the dice and and I think this this for a thin competition. <laughs> well, you know, I, I think it you know, mad's the wrong word, but it's it's um, it's a it's a you know crap or bust um, kind of approach. You've got here's a trick. Um, it's yeah. a historical trick. It's an interesting trick. It's an unusual trick. It's a list no one's going to have looked at, but it is. But you've still got a dozen. Hop, you've still got a dozen hoplites because that's the restriction we're giving ourselves. Plus three companions so you are 15 wide of something pretty solid which is is half the width of the table which is a, a lot for for a lot of armies as well and and the companions can kind of come and go can't they they if they don't like what they're facing they can just fall back and, and yes. nobody's going to catch them the, i think the javelin men in these um hoplite armies are possibly the really interesting troop for because they can shoot they can evade, they can slip fast past the end of lines very quickly. I think there's an argument here that the Spartans tie themselves against a hard piece of terrain, possibly a coast, Thermopylae style. And then you put these uh, Macedonian hoplites in the centre. And then you take the javelin men with the companions to overwhelm one plane. This means war. Dave, should we um, should we flip on to your next one then, um, which is a starting to be starting to be a bit more different. We've um, we've moved down from from seventeen to I think fourteen to to twelve hoplites. So your next one here, which is a, a Chironian Greek. So um, I'm trying to remember what the the few lines of text about this army say it actually is. Um, the Chironians, North Africa, um, kind of. It's it, the Chironians, Chironia was a, a Greek city-state on the North African coast. So they learned some things there from the Libyans, the uh, Carthaginians, of which I've got an ally in there. So it borders on Egypt, that sort of thing. It's a sort of, um, I think it was a Spartan um, colony, actually. And it was a, a sort of, it had to, it's got a little bit of more funkiness to it, shall we say. And it's a, it's a very half-hearted, you know, Poultry twenty-seven um, units strong, <laughs> but, you, but you have managed to get zero um, initiative out of it. So, look, you've got you've got an eight, a ten, and a nine. Um, so it's not quite as bizarrely unbalanced as the rest. But talk us through, listen, you know, talk us through what's in these three commands. Um, starting with your your competent general in 
in Command One and his, his chariots. Okay, so um, the North African armies, the, the Carthaginians are heavy on the chariots. So chariots are like an, an, an equivalent of a knight. Chariots can take on heavy infantry. Um, it helps if they've got impact. Um, I'm, th- I'm thinking that there's gonna, you're going to come against um, enemies who've got chariots, whether it be Carth- uh, early Carthaginian or this army. And I've got five chariots. And I'm thinking they're all going to go together to some extent. You know, if the three heavy chariots get into a fight, I've got two heavy chariot impact manoeuvring on the outside. I want to use... I think this army base is against, again, you want a piece of hard furniture, hard terrain, a coast maybe to put command two, which has got um, eight hot plights, possibly oh, keeping yeah. some of the hot plights back. Actually, yeah, sorry, just, just looking at it. So your first command, even though it's an eight, it's kind of a bit like that textbook, um, um, what's the... Um, what's the command a syrian command that's two or three chariots a cavalryman to pad it out a couple of light foot to screen it and then you just bunged a javelin man in there but that's really a three chariot delivery and support weapon isn't it yes yeah. I, I, i'm thinking that the javelin men are going to operate um in assistance to core two if possible if i've got the pips to do okay this. so then your second core is is eight top lights five ordinary three mediocre and and a couple of screening Libyan light foot. So that, that's, that's sat in the middle, isn't it? Um, yeah, and I've, made, I've saved a few points making their arrival. That's, you know, the first command to go down. That's um, the blocker just rolls forward. That's there to sort of absorb the enemy's impact. <laughs> Whilst the, uh, the game is won by the Carthaginians and the commands one of heavy chariots. Um, I'd probably put the Carthaginians in the centre, A, because they're an ally, and then the, their spearmen can um, combine with the core two of, you know, so then you've got all the spearmen together and you've got that really powerful sacred band, heavy spearmen, armor elite. Okay. Who's I've painted up a very nice figure. Oh, I'll never leave that behind. <laughs> yeah. And um, that, I think that's, you know, that's the, the link between the chariots and, you know, the Carthaginian and the, and the battle line. So, you know, that's the pivot line. That's what you want to go through with. So that's, maybe that's an interesting sort of side question. You know, you, where there is one, a lot of these lists have one elite um, or one armoured spearman, one really good spearman um, amongst the line. Do you, do you see that as something that goes in the middle of some other spearmen as the cutting edge? Or is it, as you said, the thing on the end of the line that stops it being turned? I, th- I think it's the end of the line. I think what I'd probably do is put one of the African spearmen, then the sacred band, then two African spearmen, then all the Chironian spearmen together. But that sacred band is, you need it to have a, one on the outside, but um, that's, you, you're hoping that's going to punch through and turn the line. There's a punch through. Is it not better in the middle of some other stuff or is it, um, can it, can it get taken out of the game if it's on the line, on the end of a line? Um, it, it, I've had it where you sit there and think, well, this is the best troops on the table, most expensive, and you throw a one and the enemy throws a six <laughs> and it's pear shaped. So I think, I think the way I would use it is go one African spearman, then the sacred band, then another two spearmen. Okay. Whereas, whereas if I'm using that kind of structure, I have it on the end next to the chariots. Yes. So Literally that you the increase end, yeah. the chance of the chariots breaking through. I see. So, it is, so whilst it's on the end of the spear line, 
it's actually fighting with the chariot so it's actually part of it's it's giving you Correct. three in this one you've yeah. got two elite heavy chariot impact and you're trying to get the sacred band fighting with them to give you a three wide frontage of of just deal with this you bugger yeah exactly um, so that because what you really want in an army like this is you want to the chariots to break through quickly so they can take out a second unit yeah and i think that's why i've got the javelin man with the chariot commands because i want to if the if the chariots go through, I want the speed of the javelin men to use. You know, I think I would probably put keep in the Carthaginian ally keep the javelin men alongside the chariots to give it width and move at the same speed. But it, it's in, it's interche interchangeable. So this is moving more towards the the anvil and hammer um, style. You know, you've still got a big press there with a dozen hoplites and one of them's armored elite but but this the hoplites here are an absolutely an anvil to to neutralize part of the army and then you you're actually playing with quite a lot of chariots here um which is more yeah. of a, almost a middle ages style of, of using spearmen and knights in some ways i think there's an argument again i don't have enough command and control but I, i'm i'm figuring on this is going to be a lot these games are going to be large armies and you, you know you, you've got to sacrifice one or the other no, it's it's interesting, you know, winding that back to that, you know, the very first list, that um that almost the probably the most textbook Theban list that I put up with um with 17 spearmen. Um, it's still some of which are mediocre. So here you've got a dozen spearmen, um, and then five five heavy chariots, um, two of which have got impact. So you're actually still at 17, but you're you're taking the gamble of putting chariots into into spearmen, um, which is kind of a an interesting thing. So yeah, it's, it still matches up. That, that horseman at five points is to give width to the chariots again and, and go and take the camp if I can manage it. Yeah. Okay. Interesting stuff. So then, Richard, we're um, we're what four lists down, two more to go, and and we're kind of moving slightly. Well, Days one had moved into an almost a medieval style last time, um, Hammer and Anvil. So you've gone Syracuse. Um, there's another strategist here, Agathocles. Possibly that's yep. not going to be how it's pronounced, is it? Um, <laughs> Agathocles. I don't know. Um, that, that's definitely not how it's going to be. Um, I assume he was someone famous if you're from Syracuse, but. And you've got another four initiative, which is remarkable for a hoplite army as well. But talk us through your 29. Is this actually the highest so far? Um, your 10, 8 and 11. Run us through um, those command by command then. So start in the middle, which would be the Syracusan. They're all mediocre. They're, you put them down first and they're there to be a target to attract people so if you do go unreliable, you hope to get activated by someone desiring to get at you. A bit like the, the other Theban army, then two um, well-commanded flanks. The idea is to throw those forward with then the opportunity to hit anybody going after the Syracusans with a medium horseman. So on one open wing, you've got six good hoplites supported by some light foot and some horse but the real sort of uh, surprise perhaps in an in a 
competition of a lot of hoplites is a command with five impetuous swordsmen. Yeah, that's a um, real. So, that really is a potential <laughs> dice roll, isn't it? Really, you've got you can do you can put them in terrain, or you can just have a punt. Exactly. Well, that's yeah. the thing. If you end up on a very open table, but it's also got two heavy cavalry. So they're there, you know, if you were facing off against the companions, for example, we heard about earlier, or the chariots, on their own, I think the medium swordsman might be in trouble. But with two heavy cavalry and some light horse riding wide of them, where the opponents mounted have got to look to their flank, they aren't going to be quite so gung-ho about getting stuck in. And if those five impetuous swordsmen hit the hit six javelin men, I think they've got a good chance. Equally, if they hit six hoplites, I think just they've say, got a good Just saying chance. Hitting, hitting six javelin men, just, you know, picking that out of the air as a theoretical possibility. As a theoretical possibility. Theoretical possibility <laughs> entirely. Yeah. Not that anyone would put them in an army Not list. Not that anyone would put them in an army <laughs> list at all on a flank in terrain at all. Um, when, when did you put this list together? During this podcast? Um, <laughs> it, was, it was yesterday, yeah. Oh, it was yesterday. Okay, all right. Um, we, you know, you've got a strategist in there commanding the medium swordsman, um, the, the impetuous medium swordsman, and the heavy cavalry. Were you, um, were you not tempted to, to maybe put a couple of the hot lights from the middle in there as well, given he's got all that command and control? Um, yeah, except that you say it's a lot of command and control, but if you are holding the impetuous swordsman at some point, that's three points right there. So you you always want to be able to hold them and move the heavy cavalry because they're only heavy cavalry. You know, they're, they're, they're quite good in period when a lot of the other cavalry is medium. But, you know, I, I tried to make them elite. I just couldn't find the points because um, they can be upgraded to elite. I, I decided... With your 29-unit army with a strategist. <laughs> yeah, because a lot of it's quite weak. So you, yeah. you really want those horsemen to be free. I mean, the whole, the whole idea is to have a 17 frontage of hoplites and warband. And then on top of that, you've got cavalry on either flank. Yeah, so, yeah that's enough to actually do something, isn't it, with those? Yeah. Yeah. No, interesting, because, um, I don't know, I'd, I'd, I'd almost be you know, half tempted to put some of the, pull a couple of the hoplites into that command, because... I think, first of all, you said, you know, holding the medium swordsman impetuous, which which doesn't really figure in my battle plan very often. Um, really, um, but, you know, if it happens, it happens. Um, but I always find having a couple of spearmen supporting cavalry can just make a huge difference. It makes those two cavalry really wide and, and the spearmen can sort of sucker in chariots or, or impact horse or something like that and, and lose slowly but it, it really acts as a force multiplier because it frees up your other heavy cavalry. But, you know... Yep. That's a, no, it's a good point. Yeah. It's Dave, what, point. what about you? What's your um, thoughts on it? Obviously, you're, you're uh, facing it with horror if you're looking with your Macedonian hat on. Well, I, I mean, I'm not, I'm not convinced by that, but um, no, I'm, I'm, <laughs> it, it, the early Carthaginian army that I often use and won competitions with, funnily enough, warfare, um, I, I use something similar to this army, although... It doesn't have the chariots, the Carthagin. But what I, when you're in period, if you've got that big group of medium swordsmen impetuous, that is really powerful. And it's quite a surprise to somebody if they come rushing down you. I think one thing I possibly do is 
possibly put a javelin into that command if I can afford it by dropping some points somewhere else. Just having something which moves at the same speed as the impetuous medium foot, but is a little bit more controllable to expose those flanks and make use of it. Um, I suppose you could always swap one of the impetuous sword for, you know, I'm assuming that there's a, a javelin man in there because there usually is somewhere. There is, and I, I, I did think about that, but I just thought, you know, five, just if, if, if I'm coming up against six hoplites, I really want to have, the, five. you know, five, five of them. Um, and it's where the, the discipline of having to have the 12 hoplites is good because if you didn't have that, you'd probably naturally nibble away at the number in, yeah. in order to have more toys. You know, you know, one of these, one of those, and you'd soon be having eight hoplites. And I, I think that's where a special theme tournament like this is proposed to be uh, you know, really forces you to do different things and perhaps puts on the table an army that might look actually more historical. <laughs> yeah, no, that's, that's another good way of doing it. All right, well, we'll, we'll come back in a minute. That. I think we're coming up with some really weird combinations. Shows you sit in the same light. This, this is, a, you know, a, a, a competition with, six, with 12 compulsory hoplites, but then we're, we're looking at some incredibly different armies. Yeah, but they're all they're all kind of viable, you know, in period. This means war. Well, look, that was um, that was I think the fifth um, fifth of our six lists, but this one, this this sixth one, is actually one of mine um, for the twelve Hot Lights podcast. As you can see, it's. It's actually on the ADLG wiki on that Axman already. So this was, um, like a few of the other ones that we've gone through towards the back end of the list, was starting to, to try and get a bit more interesting um, and use the hoplites as the core. But I think it also possibly uses more mediocre hoplites as, um, or, or the many of the other ones. So just to kind of run you, you two through it, um, Starting off, the key thing with the Sciatic Egyptian Army, it's quite an interesting list. It's one of those ones that, that repays looking at a few times. And in one of the, the periods, you get effectively four heavy chariot impact elite Assyrians who, who somehow get washed up in Egypt um, some way. So that's such a potent force. It's, it's really about trying to use those. So what I've done, I've, I've split the chariots between two commands. Um, the first one two chariots, an included competent general, obviously with the chariots to give them much more punch. A um, little bit of screening light foot, um, an Egyptian javelin light, um, sorry, two Nubian bowmen, a light horse um, as a bit of an outrider, a Scythian medium cavalry as a bit of an outrider as well. So, so you've got two chariots plus a Syrian, a Scythian medium cavalry and a, and a light horse with javelin to extend that. And then I stick in two of the men fat mediocre hoplites that the inner line of battle against proper infantry opponents are, you know, they're not a speed bump because they take a while to die, but they're not great troops. But you stick them out on a flank against mounted and you cover them with two light foot bows so they don't get hit by um, hit by archery or bow fire. And they can really support the chariots and, and make some enemy mounted bounce off. So after that, um, second command, kind of the bigger one. Again, another competent general. This is where the other two heavy chariots are. They could work on a different flank or they could work with the, um, 
with the other two to, to give you a block of four. Again, um, a light horse javelin to accompany them if they go off roaming on their own. And then you've got a solid block or a solid-ish block of four of the mediocre hoplites, um, but two elite hoplites, which are, I think as we've talked before in this, kind of almost as good as anything else in period. Um, you have to have a couple of crap bowmen, Dave. I'm sure you'll be happy about that. They come in pairs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can reuse some of my Egyptians with the stripy hats, which is always a win um, as well. A couple of light foot bow and a light foot javelin to screen the hoplites, but you're still getting a you know eight wide combat thing there, of which okay four of them are mediocre, but four of them are elite, and and a couple of bowmen supporting it as well. And then the end piece is a a sort of another just pure hoplite thing, and you get four proper armored Greek kind of pseudo mercenary hoplites in this, and and again all of these lists are worked on the basis that we're playing in period in in a theme a fairly tight historical theme and that's where armored hoplites really come into their own and and are, i think there's probably an argument that they might even be better than um elite unarmored in some ways just through that extra resilience and the fact they don't they don't need um anybody screening them to to protect them from shooting and then these guys obviously have an ordinary included general which makes them even tougher um to to get into combat so Two of your units are going in with generals. You've got two elite hoplites, four armored, four um, chariots, and then you've got a whole set of other um, other mediocre, half a dozen mediocre hoplites to extend the line, um, but kind of distract a bit and hopefully soak up some of the enemy's better troops while you beat up on their their weaker troops with your six really good hoplites and and four elite chariots. So that's you know, bit like that kind of Carthaginian thing as well, using the chariots and using the hoplites as a bit more of an anvil. So that was that was my other theory. Um, and of course, to say it does allow me to use some of my Egyptians as well as some of my Greeks in the same army and get get double bubble from from that set of troops. And you get your um, 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 oh yeah, the Sicilian yeah, Egyptian Marines are some of my favourite with the big tower shields and, and stripy stripy skirts, you know, getting those out, it, it almost tempts me to buy some more of them. But you know, looking at this compared to, to some of the other ones, what, what are the thoughts of, of you guys on, on seeing this on table? I think it's extremely strong. I think particularly in, in the period where you're going to be facing 12 plus hoplites from, from the opponents, as you say, um, some that are slightly more vulnerable but will take a while to die the others have all got a slight edge um and that slight edge should be enough to help the the chariots you know you've got four of them you just have to get lucky you know at, at initial contact against a normal hoplite you're going to be one two down but you just have to get lucky that one time out of four and the odds would favor that to actually begin to blow a hole in the opponent's line and then the opponent's in real trouble. Um, in a slightly more open period, you've possibly not got enough light foot to screen the mediocre hoplites and the chariots from shooting. Mm. But okay. in, in the period, there's so little shooting other than light foot um, that I think there's plenty to, to, to do the job. Um, and I think I think you've got a lot of flexibility um, 
here again you've got two included generals um so that that first command if the general is in and gets stuck in uh, uh, then that that could be be issues but a lot of the other lists had that too so yeah. and I, I think in that first one once the general's stuck in that command isn't doing a lot you know you're you're kind of hoping those two mediocre hoplites are already engaged with some enemy mounted by then and are yes. beating it just through being spearmen or or are taking a while to go down to give your chariots a bit more time to to, to fight for the win yeah I think that if you're hearing the armoured hot flights and the guard hot flights or booing the mediocre ones, yeah. <laughs> it's the one or the other. Yeah. You're going to be sitting there going, oh, why didn't my armoured guys go straight through the line and the elites? I mean, I'd be tempted to put the elites and the armoured guys together and give it maximum oomph at the point of contact. You can't. Well, but you can't put them in one command, but you can deploy them together for sure. Yeah, for sure. If you do that, you can't include a general with the armoured ones. No, I'm thinking is have the. I mean, I'd have the armoured hot flights going down the centre of the table, and put where the competent general. I put his guard hot flights with those. Okay, yeah. so not not in the same command, but just yeah. deployed together. Yeah, just uh, up against each other. Money takes your choice. I mean, I always think I, I like to concentrate my hitting power. I put the the, the chariots together. It's, it's just the way I play it. When I play the Carthaginians, and I think I did a list for the Chironians earlier, which is quite similar, and I would, I think I would concentrate the chariots. But it, it, it is what it is. What I like in the list, I mean, as you say, this is, this is a period when the Assyrians had control of northern, you know, the Mediterranean coast of uh, Egypt. So it's very, very late period. I think the Scythian medium cavalry are really interesting. And I think, you know, you could go a bit more on the shooting. The Scythians are going to be really mobile in this period and much more. No, I, I think I, I was, you know, I was looking at whether there's a way of squeezing an extra one or two in. But I think given these sort of self-imposed constraints of a dozen hot lights, it yeah. just, in the real world, yes, you'd probably drop a couple of the men fat and, yes. um, and stick in a couple more Scythians and that would become a real pokey command with a lot of mobility and, and a lot of whip. But... But with these um, self-imposed handcuffs, it was just there's just not enough toys to to go around. But they are a really interesting troop type, particularly combined with the, the heavy chariots. And, and I think another thing, you know, we, we play quite a lot of three-game, one-day competitions, which means you can actually, you know, with with these sort of sub-two-hour games, you can actually experiment with some of these things. And and you're right, Dave. You know, you could be cheering the the elites and the armors, or you could be booing the other ones, but but it doesn't kind of matter so much if it's only no, no, no. to the day, which is it's much, fun, yeah. much more interesting. What's interesting is we're coming up with some incredible variations within this constraint of 12 uplikes. I think it's it's really, really, I think it's, it's a competition that's going to have to be held and done. No, I think you're absolutely right. This means war. So look, that's six hotline lists, but I think one of the things we've all noticed in going through those is um, it's kind of a lack of the guys in red, isn't there? Um, the the Spartans, the Spartans, which are, are the apex hotline. They're the they're the one that everybody looks at, and, and I think 
we've all attempted to probably be a bit um, clever, even I guess with our vanilla, is a load of hoplites lists by by ducking the Spartans. I'm trying to remember, did you did you have a Spartan ally, Dave? Maybe, but not not kind of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It. The, your, uh, was it? Um, but I think early Macedonians had an, uh, yeah. a Spartan ally. But actually, having a Spartan-led list and how do you use a Spartan-led list? Um, so ultimately, it's just all about Spartans, really. But Richard, you put together this Spartan list that, that is Spartan, pro proper Spartan. It's got the elite guys. It's got the armor guys. So can you just talk us through? It's still 26, which which surprises me. But, but just run us through how you've managed to squeeze 26 into a proper heavy metal Spartan army. So I modeled this on the sort of Thermopylae Plataea era Spartan. So there's two Spartan commands and an allied Athenian command. Uh, again, saved some points by having an, in, uh, an included general and an allied general, um, and not having too many of the Spartans is is sadly the the only way I could see to do it. So you you've I've actually only gone um, for two in in the central command. So all. I've got five armoured compared to the, the four that you had uh, in the Sciatic Egyptians. Yeah. And two of them are elite, and one of those is an included general. So those would probably go in the middle, and, and they are there to really try and crack heads and, and break through. The other two commands are there to extend the width and protect the, the flanks. So on one side, you've got the Spartans. They've got three um, decent hoplites, but nothing um, that special. A little bit of cavalry, um, a little bit of um, light horse, Thracians, and, a, and two javelinmen. So you've got four to look after the rough going and some light infantry. So quite, you know, quite a big command there. Uh, yeah, and that's, so a, that's a decent, general. that's a very decent rough terrain force, you know, other than obviously against those comedic Macedonians or whatever they were called. Um, but yeah, that, that's that's putting four medium foot, two of the Mithrations into any bit of rough. So you're actually almost designing to play for rough terrain in, in some ways on this one. Yeah, I mean, certainly I think a number of the armies we looked at would be likely to go for one bit of rough. Um, and, and this means that you can at least contest it. And with the spearman on, on the inside, you know, it just, it just, you know, so you, you've got, you're, you're you know, you could argue you've got eight or nine decent width troops there to add to the five previously. Yeah. And then on the other wing, um, we've got five more hoplites, um, one of which is armoured and, and elite, and, and the other four are, are the sort of plain vanilla type. Um, again, one, one could include the general with that elite one. The idea of having one as elite was to stick that on the end and butt that up to the Spartans just to increase the length of that. Um, yeah, really grunty bit. <laughs> that edge. Yeah, yeah. And then the rest of it is there really just to delay opponents. So again, one javelin man, so they can just pop around. They can either, you know, they can stand in the line for a brief period of time. They can threaten flanks. Um, some light infantry just to screen those unarmored hoplites. And 
a light horse to again just you know if the opponent's got no light horse you can just be be making him think by threatening an end run on his camp uh, as you say you know it's it's 26 uh, units which is a fair size and um you know it's only got one mediocre troop type so you know if it runs up against the sciatic Egyptians what it you know it doesn't have the chariots and so you would just hope that at least some of the chariots are coming up against armored spearmen or having to spend time redeploying to get away from the armored spearmen um and if it comes up against the others again you're hoping that that mixture of armor and elite is going to allow the center to break through and the wings to hold out long enough because that they're big enough they can hold out long enough were you um with this were you tempted just to because you know i'm looking at that middle command where you've got two proper spartans and one and some three heavy armored spearmen non-elite to boost those guys up to elite is six points which you know that's that's the javelin then or um or it's yep. a couple of Siloy and you do another one you know would if you're going spartans is there not an argument to say look drop drop a javelin man, drop something else and just try and get five or six of them elite? And, and there's, just, there's, just there's, certainly that, there's certainly that argument. I guess, you know, with hindsight, I, probably I was coloured knowing how big yeah. <laughs> some <laughs> yeah, of these armies yeah, could be. Um, yeah. You know, being 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 worried um, about getting outflanked. Be, because at the end of the day, you know, being elite makes makes a difference, but you've already paid for some of that difference in terms of armor. I yeah. mean, in spear on spear, it, it's a question of, um, you know, who doesn't take that first hit? The, the elite helps you maybe get an extra hit, but it's more about stopping you taking a wound. Yeah. So... Yeah in the third round of combat you're beginning to really build up an advantage in factors um, yeah. well, i suppose if you if your flanks are um, caved in that third round of combat is starting to look a bit late in the day sometimes but yeah yeah i don't know i, I might have been tempted to to just go for five spartans and and lose a javelin man or a, a therapeutic or something wherever they are somewhere along the line um but Dave, what, what do you think? Is that I, I, if you want to do that? I think I'd lose one of the light horse and get three more elites that way. Um, for definite, I would do that. I think, as I said earlier in the podcast, I think the javelin men are very useful, very important to if you've got a lot of phalanx, a line of heavy spearmen, and one of them is starting to die, and you're going to have a situation one of the one of the opponent's spear is going to go is going to progress through the line so you can turn on the flanks. Then a javelinman coming up, because a javelinman can pin the enemy to the front, where a light horse can't, yet can still evade. You can, you're therefore preventing a breakthrough of the line turning onto the flanks. And I think that's where those peltas with, you know, so you can have a peltas floating around the back just if it's going badly for your phalanx, or it can be moving forward if it, to exploit the advantages turning on the flanks if it's going badly and that's very historical the thing yeah. i like about this list what i really like this list is it's going to look really good yeah i think it's, it's now you know it's now making me think to actually go out and get the figures and specifically paint 
a Spartan army and have, you know, have it with the elite Spartiates, full Spartans and the perioiki, um, the less, you know, elite of the, the sort of standard Spartans. And you could really differentiate in the um, shields and things like that. And, you know, it, it all looked fantastic and, you know, the right figures, great, you know. Yeah, well, maybe, maybe we should have a chat about the figures. Yeah. War. So, Dave, you brought up the subject of figures. Um, you know, I've, I've certainly got quite a few hoplites, and although some of them are starting to look a bit long in the tooth, and, and I've got some of the newer ones, is... Are you have you actually got hoplites or is this something that well you were saying you're tempted by? Would that be a replacement or would that be a, a an actual first? No, no, I've, I've got plenty of hoplites. I think yeah. I had hoplites from the days of Field of Glory and Fog. Um, I think I had I had some because they were just the filler in the um, in a Alexandria Macedonian army and they just sort of increased as they went along. But then recently I've rebased them. They're all Zyston. Okay. I like the Zyston hoplites, because I think they're early Zyston figures. They haven't sort of like uh, got the scale creep giganticism. So they yeah, they, they really went crazy fairly soon after those hoplites, didn't they? The Romans was the, were the... Um, the Romans were the real problem. But their, um, their hoplites are really nice figures. They mix with everything else quite fine. And I've rebased them all onto uh, 40 by 30 bases. Yeah. Um, I think I've got some bags of them sitting in drawers. And, and I like the um, flute players and things like that that they go with them. I think they're separate shields and, and separate weapons, though, aren't they? Um, um, well. Yeah, I, I, I love the yeah. drilling. The hand. I mean, I don't like the actual drilling the hands at part of it, but I think the brass spears make an army look so much better mm. in the long run over time. And I'll tell you one of the tricks I've learned to do nowadays is drill through the hands and then drill through the base of the figure, you know, almost putting it through the foot of yep. the guy. Mm -hmm. And then when you put the spear into the base, they just won't flick off at all. They just got their anchor in. Okay. Richard, have you got um you got 15 mil hoplites? Is that one that you own, Mob, or, or have we tempted yep. you in for this? Yeah, no, no, I uh, I do uh, there are right old mix of yeah. I've <laughs> been building building the hoplites um over the years and so they're a mixture of um i think donning old donnington um and essex mainly but i've also got some minifigs uh greek cavalry and wow uh, wow which, they, are they kind uh, of just like one seamless face at that too? yeah that, uh, no ridge lines at all no i've actually got i've actually got 24 of those so oh. um <laughs> Yeah, but they they were yeah. they were from um yeah i i think um w wrg seventh days <laughs> wow wow we yeah that would have been quite a thing so which ones do you you know rate the most if you were just picking one these days what would you go with well i th i think um you know i think those new, the new museum castings look uh look very nice but um I quite like the Spartans in the old Donington range. You know, they, they really have that uh, very typical um, Spartan type helmet. Yeah. Um, whereas from, 
I think the museum ones look that have more of the Corinthian style helmets. So they look very good for, um, you know, the general, the general um, states. But I hadn't seen so many that perhaps look look like what I was expecting from a classic yeah. Spartan. Because I think the um, the new museum ones they've got a range that are wearing kind of you know, poser pouch underpants and, um, and cloaks from, and I think leather gib masks from this film 3000 or whatever it is, 300 as well. Yeah. You get some of their special Spartans, but, but that's, I suppose that's an acquired taste, really, isn't it? You either love that or you don't. Um, the nudists, aren't they? They're, they're, no, I don't think they're quite nudists. They've got some nude ones as well. Um, so I think the, with those new museum hoplites, there's a couple of unusual things about them. Their shields are extra big. And um, they've all been cast very flat. So uh, I think the classic for everything is always to start with Essex and, and talk about how it differs from Essex. So Essex's hoplites, which I've got quite a lot of, have they do need the spears replacing because the spears are a bit metal spaghetti. Um, but their shields are really, really convex, which in these days of little big man shield transfers is just a massive problem. Um, because the transfers just don't stick on, even with with all those little micro sole and micro set and stuff like that. The, the shields are just too convex. But um, the museum guys, um, I think David Museum has made the the shields bigger because everybody likes looking at cool shield transfers, and with a flatter surface, so they take the transfers even better. But but I think he only he sells the transfers himself, so you can't buy them from from LBMS. But it's kind of an interesting make them non-real if you like to make them more geared up towards what war game is actually like um the other range that i've got quite a few of i've got some zeist on and a load of essex as well and some of those new museums which to be fair then they're, they're not quite as good as those 3d renders um but they're still nice figures and they're in a nice pewter with with cast on spears but i've got some of the um uh, chariot miniatures range from um, Magister Militum that again are one piece castings with cast on shield, cast on spears and they've got a few little not not too many of them but they're really nicely scaled with Essex and the originals iced on um, and they're again in that sort of pewtery type metal so you don't get them breaking and, and going kind of too weird and too wobbly and they certainly when I got them, they had some really nice cast on details, but I just have got so, so many. It, it kind of feels like if I want to to upgrade them from my painting standard of mumble, mumble 20 plus years away, it would be a lot of, of dipping and stripping and restarting to get them all up to up to match. So I'm, you know, I, I'm in two minds whether to, to go through all that rigmarole or um, whether just to buy some more. It, it's a real, a real tricky one. And then I suppose the other, the other option, if you really want to go idiosyncratic, is to go with the um, um, tin soldier ones. You know, there's a few people. I think Ian Mackay has got a tin soldier army of those kind of cute hobbity guys that are very, very distinctive and, um, and and very unusual. Totally impossible to mix with anything else, of course. Um, apart from perhaps their fat trumpeter, who um, who is probably one of the great figures. It's like a, it looks a little bit um, like that bloke off Little Britain um, playing a trumpet. Um, it's really, really superb little figure. But um, and that, that can squeeze into any battle line. 
Yeah. I've not even seen, has anybody seen the Forged in Battle ones? I guess they must do some, because we normally talk no, about them. No, I haven't. No, I've not come across them either, really. I mean, I think a lot depends on how much store you put onto the, the helmet design, yeah. Yeah. you know, um, whether you prefer the open helmets or the closed helmets. Some manufacturers do a big range, some don't. I mean, there is some evidence that the Spartans had quite a distinctive helmet, the Pylos type, hmm. um, whereas others use a mix of Corinthian and Attic, and then you could have a Theban type helmet, which is what you saw a lot of the cavalry wearing. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, 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 I'm a big fan of just a mix and match. But. You can make them very distinctive in by having, you know, the, if, I mean, that's that's what the Zystom range, which I particularly like in them, they're, um, they've got armoured hoplites, unarmoured hoplites, linen armour hoplites, and they've got the Spartan helmet, so you can really differentiate Spartans from the more Greek mercenary hoplites and things like that. And, okay. you know, more you know, range. Um, I look at the museum. I think the museum shields are too big. I'm sorry, but I get no, they, no, they, they, they absolutely are. They're absolutely I think the are. on is really important. Yeah. And I've struggled that with the Zyston ones, but um, yeah. But then you know that's that's what you do, isn't it? No, it's it, you know that's that's an interesting philosophical discussion. You know, um, objectively or you know based on trying to copy proper figures, those shields are too big. Yeah. But the downs, you know, the upside is you get um, some quite big shield transfers that you can see at a long distance. So yeah, it, it's a deliberate um, it's a deliberate mistake to um, to overemphasize the things that wargamers actually look at on table and um you know i suppose it, it's the, the choice isn't it it does make it difficult to mix and match them in a line with other people yes, yes. you end up with a line of theirs and then a separate unit of someone else's or a separate few units of someone else's i like i like yeah the various crests quite look funky and it's it's a i'd say it's about it's an animated range isn't it well, again, it's one of the, the slightly odd things. I think there's about four or five poses, yeah. um, but because then they do exactly the same poses with and without armour, with and without clothing, yeah. and with different helmets. So you've only got kind of four or five different mannequins, if that's the word, yeah. wireframes, but with different heads and different clothing choices. So it, it, it does look animated, but it's less animated than you think. Um, but I think that kneeling guy in the range is a real a real that's what gives them animation when they're in a, a group whereas everybody else is just standing well i think it would also be nice if they had some of those um curtains that hang off the bottom of um, <laughs> if they sold that as a separate piece or something slightly different range with the sparabara fighting over the top of their um wicker shields their um these is look really nice i like those a lot well, maybe, maybe that's maybe that's for the next podcast and we should um we should do the acme persian army and um do because we did the indians we've done the the spearmen maybe we do a full sweep of museums range um just before their um their annual sale in january see if we can sneak out the podcast over christmas and um and, and help people decide if they want to do any discounted shopping sounds like a plan sounds like a plan Excellent. All right. Well, thank you, folks. Um, thank you for 
for contributing to that and we carry up with seven lists and and we've all managed to excite ourselves with the idea of playing a competition with loads of alt bikes which i'm not sure um, any of us thought would be the case when we started <laughs> off on this one um and i think we'll we'll carry on on this vein and try and pick some of these more unusual and obscure armies um we've, we've had a couple of suggestions come in on facebook so over the next few weeks we will we'll throw out a few more of these sort of lists continuity there it's genius mate. i was i was you just feeding it to me and i was just it, it was like being we we're in the studio with a producer on the gallery wasn't it with, with stuff in their ear it was like being, i was richard and you were judy in some sort of strange way